You're listening to the Versus Node podcast, presented by GamerNode.com. Episode 7 of GamerNode's Versus Node Podcast. I'm Eddie Inzotto, website director, and I'm joined today by Tyler Cameron, columnist here at GN. How are you doing, Tyler? Not too bad, and yourself? Excellent, excellent. Joseph D'Elia, a host of the Big Red Potion Podcast. How are you, Joe? Great, Eddie. How's it going? Excellent. All right, my man. A little bit of technical difficulty again, <laughs> as always. But wouldn't be a good <laughs> podcast without it. No, sir. And lastly, we have Creighton Simone, the director and editor of College Humor's Bleep Bloop. What's up, Creighton? Hey, how are you guys? Awesome. Cool. Let's get the show on the road. <laughs> All right. So uh, I guess to start off, we were just talking about games we've been playing. Creighton, you started something new today, as did I. Yes. <laughs> uh, I just, right before I got the, uh, right before we started this, I popped in the new Layton for the DS, Professor Layton, uh, and the Diabolical Box. Not as cool as the uh, Japanese version, which is the and Pandora's Box. I wonder why they made that change. Uh, I, uh, I don't know. But I think, I don't know, I like Diabolical Box. It seems more deadly. It, it seems more like a puzzle to me, which I guess is... The point. I guess <laughs> that's kind of the point. Yeah, I actually just started two. I did two puzzles before we got to start. See, I didn't even get one. Maybe if we had more technical difficulties, I could have gotten <laughs> While I was fumbling, you could... One puzzle. Yeah, I should have just been playing instead of having a conversation and being social. <laughs> uh, what have you guys been playing? Tyler? Any... I have been playing... Uh, I've been Metroiding it up a lot lately. I've been playing the uh, Metroid Prime trilogy a lot. Oh, yeah? Oh, wow. Like... Which one are you on? Um, just playing the first one. Um, it's really, really good. It's too good. I love the motion controls so much. It's so much fun. And I've been playing, um, uh, in, pre- in preparation for it, I've been playing uh, Metroid Fusion and uh, Zero Mission on the DS. So. Uh-huh. So had, a Metroid. <laughs> had you played Metroid Prime prior to getting the trilogy? Um, yes, I did play it, but it was a long time ago, and I'm embarrassed to say I never beat any of them. Oh, wow. <laughs> I get... I get into them and then I get stuck for a while and I, don't know, I just got frustrated and I just shut it off and I got distracted by other things. But um, now that I've come back to it, it's just as good as I remember it. Like the graphics are still amazing. The motion controls work so good. It's actually probably one of the only games that I really prefer the motion controls as opposed to the analog stick and the buttons. So really digging that. So that's that's about all I've been playing really. So did they just retrofit the corruption controls to the first two games? Yeah, it works just like corruption. The problem that I had with um, like the GameCube ones is I always wanted to use the, the C button to look around, and it just doesn't do anything, you know? But now I get to use the little wand and use the joystick in my left hand, and it just it works really good. Everything just is really smooth. It supports widescreen now, so that's awesome, and it's progressive scan, so it just it looks awesome. Excellent. Everything I wanted it to be. <laughs> and what about you, Joe? Have you been playing anything good? Actually, I, the one I've been playing the most is the one you guys talked about for quite a bit on the last versus node, um, Infamous. 
Oh. Which um, oh, this is great. Yeah, it's a really yeah. cool game. Um, I like it. I'm actually on the last mission. I actually paused. It's paused right now as we're doing this conversation, um, <laughs> so that I can I can do this. But yeah, I mean, it's a really it's a really fun game. Really cool. I think the third act in particular, they do some really cool twists and they they take some risks out there with the with the storyline and stuff that are really cool and 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 worth doing. And um, I like the missions. I like the gameplay. I think it's a really you know. I think aside from Uncharted, it's probably the best new series that PS3 has gotten so far, which says a lot. And uh, I really like it. I've I really enjoyed playing it so far. And um, the other one I've been playing, I actually uh, I just finished 100%ing it the other night, was uh, Shadow Complex. Uh-huh. Oh, nice. Awesome. Um, very similar to uh, what Tyler was saying with Metroid. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I beat it a while back, but I, I couldn't help but go back and get every little ass upgrade that was possible in that game. I mean, it's just so much damn fun to explore that environment and, and find every little nick and knack in the, in the place. And uh, I can't wait to go back and do it again, to be honest with you. Did you get all the achievements? I'm trying. I actually, uh, <laughs> I got to do the, I didn't get to level 50. That's that's one of the ones I got to go back for. So uh, I will, though. I will, I will absolutely max that sucker out. There's also the uh, beating the game in like, with only four percent or thirteen percent of items. Yeah, yeah, that one's ridiculous. I I saw that um, one of the producers of the game. I actually think it was uh, uh, Don Muster, the, the the executive producer. He said that uh, it's possible to beat Shadow Complex um, in twenty three minutes if you have. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Fully upgraded. They've done it. Yeah, it's been done. Like he, they, he did it in nineteen, I think. Oh, it's nineteen. Okay, did it, did it nineteen. Like you have to use the foam gun basically to jump over walls that you were never able to jump over before. <laughs> and if you you know, you have unlimited ammo once you get to a certain level, um, so on a second or third try you'd be able to do this pretty easily. And um, they basically just beat it in under twenty minutes and and max that bitch out, which is something that I'm very eager to try. But it's the four percent or thirteen percent of items is the is the kicker for me because like every time you pick up a new item. Mm-hmm. That's another percent every time you get an upgrade. Yep. That's another percent every time you get a piece of armor. Like I can't imagine, <laughs> like some of the stuff you have to pick up. Right. I don't I know. I can't even imagine playing the game and like being like, no, I don't want to go and get that gun. <laughs> yeah, I'll fight all these dudes pistol? with no armor. With the pistol, yeah, like it's crazy. <laughs> that is it's terrifying that somebody actually figured out how to do that. Yeah. <laughs> I definitely won't get. I, I look at achievements now. I'm playing Wolfenstein. Mm. Uh, the new one, and I just popped in the achievements. I was like, looking at all these achievements that I know that I won't get. I'm like, not going to get this, not going to get this. Find all the gold on all the levels. Nope, it's not going to happen. <laughs> like, it just won't. It's funny. I do the same thing too. Pop in a game, look at the achievements. Like, oh, not getting that. Ooh, I can maybe get that. And uh, that's what it boils down to. It's like the second I put the game in, looking mm. at the achievements, what can I get? Win a thousand <laughs> multiplayer matches? No, thank you. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going to play like that's like a third of the Wolfenstein achievements are multiplayer ones. Oh. I know I'm never going to use it. Right. The, the one I'm hoping to get is the it's called Blitzkrieg, and it's beat the game in under twelve hours. I heard uh, it's not that hard to do. Sounds pretty good. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Hopefully, I can get that. Uh, I heard that you can get that with even with doing all the, the side side missions or whatever. Like collecting everything, it only takes like six, seven hours maybe. So great. I tried to type in ID clip. On my uh, <laughs> my keypad, but it didn't work. Ah, oh, <laughs> damn it, Raven! You missed an opportunity. Exactly. <laughs> That's a joke that no one gets. <laughs> no one gets that joke. <laughs> the fact that, that that four or five people out there did get that joke makes me smile pretty much every day. So, yeah, nice gamering <laughs> for you. Gotta love the old schoolers. So, 
what else is going on? What's up with the news? We have one big piece of news <laughs> lately with the PS3. It's already a little bit old now, but pretty yeah. good. Uh, Actually, I have an issue with with this news. <laughs> okay, what is Shoot. that? <laughs> so, all right, so so the ground the background is Sony dropped the price of the PS3, and they're replacing it with a slimmer version, right? Yeah. Does it? I didn't get any press releases because I don't I don't get press releases. Are they calling it the slim anywhere? Because it's not on the box. It's not on anything that I've seen. The press and everyone is calling it the slim, but really, one, it's not that slim. And two, I don't think Sony's <laughs> calling it the slim. I think it's just everyone else. Sony is, I mean, they're not calling it the slim officially, but they've probably referenced it as the slim and i mean like mm-hmm. compared to a sumo wrestler everything every <laughs> slim so you look at the original ps3 and compare the other one it's it's gonna be slim i could call my my freaking receiver slim next to the ps3 <laughs> well the did- xbox though isn't that much smaller than the slim if you have the two side by side which i which i do although i'm not looking at them right now because they're over there the 360 isn't that much bigger, and then the it's not much smaller, and then the PS3 has the bat, the power brick integrated inside it anyway. So mm. you're always looking on the 360 for somewhere to stash that tremendous brick. <laughs> um, that is very true. I yeah. feel like the yeah, I don't know. Well, That's my issue. Did the PS2 Slim actually have Slim on the box? Yes. Oh, it does. Okay. And it was actually very very slim. It yeah. is extremely slim. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like the size of a DVD. <laughs> Yet if they stuck one of those in the PS3 Slim, all would be right in the world. But no. It'd have to be thicker, though. Mm. Possibly. Yeah. I'm just still peeved that they didn't put backwards compatibility back in the damn thing. That sucks big time. I don't know why they can't do that. I mean, for a game uh, like me, like I collect old, you know, old games and stuff, and like that's if I didn't have a PS3 now, I'd be hunting down the 60 gig model because I wouldn't be able to buy the current one. Ooh, I have one. So do I. I'm just. I. I hope to God it doesn't break. Oh man. <laughs> yeah, I have a, a 20 gig. Well, I've replaced the hard drive, but it's the same thing. Right. Yeah. Realistically, what, like, what do you think the cost is to add the Emotion Engine chip, or even just the <laughs> the software emulation back into the the PS? Well, they're already losing money. Right. I mean, uh, that that just came out last time. <laughs> Right, but they were they were breaking even, I think, before they cut this price again. Right, and then now they're losing money again. Right. Jeez. They were losing so much. They were losing, I think, $300 per PS3 at, at launch. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, Microsoft, Microsoft was losing, I think, 75 or, or $100. i am I'm sure that commenters are going to be mad because I'm getting the numbers wrong. But it was like, they were losing a ridiculous amount at launch. Uh and I think adding one more chip just was unfeasible. Just was not feasible. And Sony will tell you, you want to play PS2 games? You can buy a PS2. It's like $100. It's less than that. I honestly think, I forget which podcast I heard it on. I think it was one up yours, but I think, or listen up, but I think that uh, the real reason they didn't stick it back in, because, I mean, there is a demand for it, even though Sony has been saying no one wants it in there, no one cares. I, there is a demand for it. But I think the real reason is that they want to start selling these suckers on PSN for, you know, 10, 15 bucks, make you rebuy them, just like they made everyone rebuy Final Fantasy VII last month when they put it up on the service. And I think we're going to see that in less than a year, that's going to be up on the PSN. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Steps of like Xbox originals also. Right. Right. Yeah. Games on demand. 
Mm-hmm. I actually don't even have a PS3 yet, so... I mean, I have my PS2 sitting here, so that doesn't really matter to me, the backwards compatibility. But I plan to get one in, like, a week. <laughs> I just bought a 50-inch plasma TV, and that sort of brings us to our discussion today is HD gaming, because I feel like it's penetrated the market almost completely. And, I mean, when you, when you talk to gamers anyway, everyone seems to play on a HD screen, and I had actually had trouble trying to find someone who doesn't have an HD TV to try to get on the show for a little bit of perspective. So... I don't know if when you guys actually bought your first HD TVs, but I'm finding that I mean I've played on on HD TVs before, obviously, but now that I have my own, I'm going through all of my old games and replaying them and trying to see all the differences. Um, so I wanted to know how you guys felt when you first made that change from standard definition to high definition. Like, what was that like? Um, I guess we could start with Creighton. Do you remember? Uh, yeah, it was, um, it's kind of, uh, right when I bought my 360, actually me and I was living with a friend of mine, we bought a 360 and we had a pretty decent sized CRT. This is, I guess, January after 360 launched in November or whenever it launched and we plugged it in and it looked awful. <laughs> like, we, I mean, we plugged it in and we put a game in and I think it was Call of Duty th- two? two, Call yeah. of Duty two, and we were like, you couldn't read any of the text, so we couldn't figure out where we were supposed to go, what we were supposed to do, what the objectives were, and so we went on Google real quick, and we're like, everyone is complaining if you don't have an HD TV, you can't play any of the games, and we were like, you're right, you can't, and so the <laughs> next day we went to the store and we bought. We were both broke and sneers in college. And we bought a 19-inch, not, <laughs> not good at all, HDTV. But we could see what we were doing. And we played on that. And then eventually we got another 360 in the house and a bigger TV. And then there were two bigger TVs. And now I'm addicted to buying HDTVs. <laughs> I just buy them. I have two. I don't really need two. Anyway, you can't play current generation games on a standard FTV. I, I think it's impossible. That's funny. That reminds me of one example in particular. The first game that I bought for my 360 was Dead Rising. Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you cannot read anything in that game. I was sitting about two inches from my standard definition CRT TV and still having trouble making out which pixels <laughs> were lit so that I could read the words. It was nuts, and I never actually finished that game, and now I put it in yesterday, and it looks great, and I'm going to play it. I'm surprised your head didn't explode trying to read the writing. It's that's kind of even hard on a HD TV because the writing is, even though it's clear, it's still really, really small. It's really tiny. I mean, it's like on an HD TV, it's got to be like jamming bacon grease in your eyes and trying <laughs> to like read something. I, I don't know. I don't know how you possibly did it, but I don't blame you for not finishing the game. Yeah, it was definitely difficult, and that's probably the reason why I didn't finish. So how about you, Tyler? What about when you made the change? I got an HDTV in January 2007. I had a CRT, like most of you guys, it sounds like, for a while. Um, I got my Xbox 360 and was playing on that. It was slightly HD. I want to say it would 
do like 480p. So it was a little bit clearer than most CRTs, but it wasn't like a high-def TV by you know today's standards or anything like that. But um, I got a 42-inch LCD. Um, I took it home, and the first game I played was Gears of War because that had been out for about, I don't know, three or four months at that point. And it was just like... I don't know, it was like a, a beam of golden light was just shining down in my room on my TV and like angels were singing. It was the most amazing experience of my life because I had it cranked up real loud and I'm chainsawing guys and blood and guts are flying everywhere in high high definition. It was awesome. And like I was, it's kind of embarrassing to say this is how nerdy I am, but um, I was actually like shaking my adrenaline <laughs> afterwards because it was just, oh my God, it was so awesome. So like I turned it off and, you know, I'm going through all my games and playing them again. And I start going back into, you know, Xbox, original Xbox and PS2 games. Like, no idea that some of those games supported 480p because I was just, you know, ignorant. And I'm um, so I'm going back and playing all those and I got a war and Halo 2 and just going through all those games again. And it just, it was just so clear. I couldn't believe how much I was missing. And it made me sad to think that, like, I had missed so much over the years, but at least I could go back and, you know, enjoy it all over again. Oh my god. I I'll never forget that playing Gears of War though. It was just the color and everything was amazing. I I don't know how you could play that game on a on a SD TV at all. It would just be it's a totally different game. Nice. Sounds very impactful. Enough, <laughs> <laughs> Joe. I actually uh I, I got an HDTV a while back because I, I I'm always an early adopter with these stupid things. I bought a, what is it, a Philips, like, 27-inch. It does, like, 480p and 1080i. I got it maybe a year and a half or two years after I got an original Xbox. So every time, like, I'd have friends over to, you know, to play Halo or something, or we play Halo 2 online, um, every time I was on the opposite team of my friends, I would just hear them bitching. Oh, he could see extra clear because he has an HCTV. That's why he's in first place every time. Like, just always <laughs> complaints that, like, my HCTV was giving me magic aim, and I was able to see their heads clearer than they were on their TVs. Um, which Superpowers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I don't know, HCTV assassin or something. But, um, you know, on, I mean, on original Xbox, it kind of just made everything a little clearer and a little more colorful. But, um I mean, the difference was still pretty good. And then, of course, when I jumped to the 360 and the PS3 and stuff like that, it was just this mind-blowing experience that, I mean, you know, whenever the rare occurrences that I have to go play on a a standard dev set, it's like my eyes bleed from what I'm seeing from these things that look so beautiful. (laughs) Bleeding eyes, the same experience, just not, yeah. Yes, bleeding eyes. That's what we all want. (laughs) 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 No. You know what the exception is, though, uh, I've noticed, is the Wii. The Wii. Okay. Mm. The Wii looks terrible on my HDTV. Yeah. Uh, that's that's what I wanted to ask you guys, because mine kind of does, too. It looks great on my parents' CRT, because they don't have an HDTV. Uh-huh. Um, they have a, I want to say, like a 46-inch CRT, and I was playing Mario Galaxy, and Mario Kart at their house last time I was there a couple weekends ago. I was like, this game looks great. And it <laughs> does not look that good on my. What is, what's wrong with it? Why doesn't it look good on yours? It's on just your a lot, it's a lot choppier. It looks like, it looks like Tekken. Remember how the original Tekken looked? It was all like, you could see the polygons. All and stuff. Yeah. 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 And it's so much smoother. The animations look, the animations are, I guess the same, but they like, everything feels so much more polished on this. I don't know. 10-year-old CRT. It's probably older than that. Interesting. 
I should try that, because I just recently played Little King's Story, and I played that on a crappy CRT, and then I finished up on my HD, and I didn't really notice a big difference, but um, I, I want to try things like, you know, the better looking Wii games, maybe Metroid or Super Mario Galaxy, and see if that's where the difference comes in. Do you have to play your Wii games on the 480 size cutout on your HD screen? Or do you just deal with it? <laughs> I think... I don't know. Some games. Some games don't... Hit, like, some games stretch, and you have to kind of, you know, put the boxes there to, to fix yeah, it. Yeah, that's right. Um, but, like, Punch-Out! supports <laughs> widescreen, and it looks it looks pretty good. I, mean, I haven't actually seen Punch-Out! on a regular uh, SD set, so I'm not sure if I'm missing something out, you know, by having it on an HD set. But, um... Yeah, for the most part, most first-party Nintendo games are, you know, widescreen, and they do 480p and stuff, and, you know, going from, like, 360 to that does kind of hurt a bit, but, I mean, it still looks good for for what it is. Yeah, that's interesting, because I was going to ask, are SD-only players missing out on something massive, which it seems like the general consensus is yes. Reading. Is it total (laughs) Reading in games. Who wants to do that, though? That's a good point. (laughs) <laughs> I want to play. I want to play Layton though. So I mean, I'm uh, in the minority, I guess. Yeah. I actually have a friend who kind of halfway learned how to read from playing video games on the NES. <laughs> wow. I mean, he was really young, and me and his brother used to play, and he would just be there and pick up on stuff. It's really interesting. I sometimes wonder if people who play the imported versions of RPGs learn, like, figure out how to read Japanese. It doesn't really have the same context you might need to have a translation with you in order to learn yeah you wouldn't know what you're learning if you can't understand yeah. it you just learn how to say it or something or in what situation i don't know <laughs> well i mean the game may not feature good visual cues or you know the the text to go with the voice and everything you really need the the full yeah version. yeah that's really a totally different discussion <laughs> you might have that one day when I first started becoming interested in HD, I actually bought a um, a 32-inch LCD, and I played with it, and I kind of hated it, because <laughs> uh, I guess it had a poor response time, mm. so I had a lot of the image trails, and it just mm-hmm. was not happening, so I ended up returning it, and eventually I started playing my Xbox, on my computer screen with a video capture device and that worked really well so I was able to to operate that way but since getting the new TV I put in Joe's gonna laugh put in braid (laughs) (laughs) you don't say oh get out of (laughs) here I'm not surprised (laughs) and um, it was really incredible I didn't I didn't realize it actually looked like that because I hadn't played that one uh, on the computer so I'm definitely finding that I want to go back through and just replay everything from the start Not it really is worth it mm. like one problem that I have with HDTVs and I mean I don't know how many people are really affected by this but like you know I have a lot of like old classic consoles and stuff and when you put those onto your HDTVs now they just look like absolute garbage I mean you know, like, PS1 never really looked that great to begin with, but when you stick it, you know, I mean, if you're not using a PS3, if you actually hook up your PS1 to an HDTV, it, it, it's washed out, it's blurry, it's, 
you know, the the added definition on your screen doesn't really know what to do with this old-ass pixels that are being you know, projected onto it, and it just becomes mess. And even, like, Super Nintendo and NES, like, you know, they, they don't look as sharp as they did. They don't look as colorful, and it's... It, it's really kind of it sucks to be honest with you because like I want these games to look as good as they can and you know the the technology just isn't there for them to look that way. Well, you can buy them on your, uh, well, buy all the games on the <laughs> Wii the and on the Xbox and on the PS2 or PS3 rather. But none of them have Sewer Shark, and and without that, I'm I'm not a real person. So I have to have my Sega <laughs> CD games um, in good in tip top shape with all of their pixelation and and glory. I mean, yeah, that's the problem. Like, it's either I hook up my PC to my TV and emulate them, even though I own real copies of them, but the emulation so would be much backups. better. Right. They would actually be backups, and it would be technically legal what I'm doing since I own it. But um, That's weird. I mean, that's the only way to actually make them look good on an HDTV is to, to run them yeah. through your PC. Uh, otherwise, they just I – mean, through the actual consoles, if you want to use the controller, which I, I tend to want to, it just looks like crap. Yeah. Right, it's always different playing with a uh, PC controller when you're used to that square brick in your hand. Or, you know, well, they have um, they have USB adapters right. that actually we little inside baseball uh, on Bleep Bloop. Whenever we are playing anything that's not of the current generation, we have uh, these USB adapters, and then you can plug a Super Nintendo controller or a regular Nintendo controller or a Genesis controller right in. That's great. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that way you can. Uh, you can still emulate those games, hook them up to your recorder, and in our case, and still use an actual controller. That's, That's awesome. Cool. I've seen those before, but I just never felt like going to the lengths of ordering them. I just kind of use <laughs> Xbox controller now. Yeah, That's what I used to. Yeah. Now, I think the Super Nintendo controller is the best controller. Love that controller. Ever. <laughs> Ever you want to Ever. Play, you want to play Call of Duty 20 on your Super Nintendo controller? <laughs> that um, might be so, more comfortable than the Wii controller with the, the Call of Duty games. To be honest with you, it's more comfortable than the PlayStation controller. Yeah, I would agree with that. I played Bioshock: uh, The Challenge Maps on PS3 recently, and I did not like it. It's just way too loose. Because the controller? Yeah, it's just way too loose. Like the, the the port was fine, and I like the challenge maps. I think they did a good job with them. But the controls are very loose on the PS3. I don't know. What, maybe I'm just used to the, the the tighter analog sticks on the 360. I agree. Yeah, they are, they are tighter. I don't know. I also find the placement a little bit strange. I mean, right. for any other game, it's not too bad. But for shooters in particular, I have a real tough time with just the way they're placed and like they are kind of loose. You know, like you said. So I wish Sony would. Allow you to swap the left analog slick, analog stick, and the D-pad on a lot of games too. Like a uh, uh, little Big Planet, for example. I would love to be using the D-pad right. in that game instead of the analog stick. Uh, yeah. Can't, and I. It's so awkward to play because I feel like instead of just stopping, like I would normally stop in a side scroller by letting go, it like eases me off and I die a lot more. Mm. Whereas if it was an if it was a D pad, it would be like lift off to stop and you stop instead of easing back. Yeah, that's a good idea because the PS3 actually has uh, a good D pad on their controller, exactly. which is a great, shame. Great D pad. Yeah, combine the sticks of the 360 and the D pad of the PS3, and you got yourself pretty perfect. The shape of the SNES controller. <laughs> <laughs> so we're asking for the classic controller that actually exists with the VMU slot in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> then I'm set. 
An <laughs> HD VMU. <laughs> color, yeah, color screen does 720. Controller to end all controllers. <laughs> Someone's working on it right now. If they are, I will pay any dollar. Jodely, a big any, red potion, any dollar. Any single dollar in my any wallet. Any single dollar. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think we've come to the conclusion amid all of this that, um... SD and HD gaming kind of don't mix, and either way, one side or the other is missing out on something, whether it be with the newer games for SD users or older games for HD users. One thing I wanted to ask you guys is, do you think that developers try to provide equally for both of those sides? Do they develop the games in such a way that they can provide as good of an experience as possible for both camps, or is it sort of inherently an exclusionary technology? I think it's I exclusionary. Think it's, yeah, me too. I think it, I mean, even look at, after we had the original problems with Call of Duty uh, 2, you had, uh, oh my god, Dead Rising come out, which was a huge fiasco, and Capcom said it was something that could never be patched. Mm. Then, not too long after that, you had there was another game which I'm totally blanking on. Banjo Kazooie, nuts and bolts. Banjo Kazooie was the next one, even after that. Yeah, mm-hmm. nuts and bolts was a huge deal. Mm-hmm. And it's like they're obviously not testing these games on SD TVs. That means no one in the entire life of the product ever looked at it on an SD TV. And I think the Wii is probably the opposite. I bet most people don't even look at their games on HD because they look so much better on SD. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree with you on that there. I wonder, though, if in certain cases the inability to display properly on one or the other could just be something that they overlooked. Like, they meant to produce a high-quality product for both, but it was just a mistake, or if it is truly impossible. I think each developer kind of has, like, a limited amount of resources these days. I mean, you know, you see, like, things getting cut left and right and developers, you know, putting more and more resources into, like, honing the multiplayer or honing the single player and stuff like that. Games getting delayed. I think, you know, to... I mean, to be honest, I mean, to get a game running in SD and HD uh, and running well on both sides without, like, just, you know, making the text really big on HD sets so that it will also be visible on the SD side, you know, actually making it fit for both platforms is kind of like you're building two different versions of the game, you know, yeah, and, like, it's a lot of work. I mean, I, especially, like, you know, in a game like Banjo-Kazooie, I suppose it wouldn't be that hard because there's only so much text in that game. But, I mean, what if you're building the next Final Fantasy game? <laughs> And you've got, you know, I don't know, uh, three encyclopedias worth of text in that game that has to be checked on both sets to make sure that every word is readable, you know, to everybody. I don't really think, like, especially, you know, as as HD adoption is getting to such a, a place where, you know, it's assumed that most people have them at this point. Because, I mean, you can go into a store right now and get an HD set for 300 bucks if you really want one. You know, not the best one, of course, but they're, they're there. So I think at this point, you know, developers are probably just going to say, you know, we'll, we'll try our best, but if certain people can't read certain things on the screen, as long as they can still play the game, we really don't care. Yeah, and you know, you can't find an SDTV at a regular electronics store anymore. Right. I looked recently. Do you have to go to Salvation Army or something like that? That's the only place <laughs> that really carries them. Wow. The, uh, <laughs> the circuit, well, before Circuit City went under, Circuit City uh, in New York City used to uh, 
hide the SDTVs in the back by the portable CD players, which is another area of the store no one goes into. Like, portable CD players, SDTVs. If you still live in 1994, we've got you. Come to this section. This is the, the way back machine in this, it was, this store. Yeah, it's like the back corner. It's like a buy where audio CDs, Betamax, <laughs> players, <laughs> HD DVDs, mini discs. <laughs> yeah, mini nine yards. Well, it's funny that you say that because, or you make fun of that because it's at the same time we're the same people that would go in there and look for those TVs because we're talking about how we like to play, you know, PS One and earlier era games, and I mean, you don't want to do it on HTV because it just looks like hell. So. If you go to a Salvation Army or wherever, like you said, and just pick up a cheap SD TV, and there you go. You can play your old games and have them look great on it. At one point, when I have like an actual house with a lot of space, I'm going to have to buy an SD TV for the simple reason that, as of right now, I don't have a television that can play anything that uses the zapper. And that oh, is so depressing. And uh, the you know old time crises that I have on PS1, I can't play those. on, And the PS2 even, I can't play any of those on any of my TVs right now. And that depresses me to no end. So at wow. some point, I am going to hunt down an SDTV just to keep in case I want to play Duck Hunt in five years and I need my zapper to work. You are a true gamer, my friend. Dude, <laughs> I don't mess around. What's <laughs> the oldest system you have hooked up to your TV right now? I don't keep them hooked up anymore because I looked behind my entertainment center once and I swear I could not find the TV within the mess of wires that was back there. So I had to unhook everything, but I have... Did you um, even see the floor? Like, that's the thing. Like, I saw... I actually had um, surge protectors plugged into surge protectors plugged into surge (laughs) protectors back there because of all the stupid Genesis plugs that are, you know... Uh, giant bricks that take up three slots in the surge protector, and I have the Sega CD and the 32X also, and they take up each take up a slot. So basically, one of my surge protectors was just three Genesis plugs, and um, <laughs> like it, it just became so ridiculous that I, I have them actually unhooked next to the TV. Now they're all in like their own little boxes, pretty much. The, the oldest system I have hooked up right now is a PS2 and an Xbox One, but uh, but uh, everything from the Atari through now is is right next to the TV, ready for use. In a moment's notice, absolutely playing the Empire Strikes Back game. Yeah, if you want to play Virtual Boy right now, I got you covered. But doesn't need TV. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> but Joe can hook it up to his. I got TV. it. <laughs> Fair enough. Got you covered. I don't know if that's something to be proud of to have a Virtual Boy at like arm's reach. We have one at work. I. Oh really? That's yeah. awesome. Oh my god. Talk about bleeding eyes. I want to do an episode of my show with the virtual player. There's just no way to capture all this. <laughs> Brings back horrible memories. I don't know, man. If you did an episode about Waterworld Virtual Boy, I would be all over that. <laughs> I just have everyone on the show wearing a Virtual Boy as they're going through. <laughs> you can't wear it. It has its own stand. Yep. Not to to make all your listeners hate the show because I'm talking about the fucking Virtual Boy, but if you uh, if if you actually, like, I used to be so lazy, I didn't want to, like, sit at a desk, because that's what you have to play. You're supposed to sit at a desk and lean over and put your face into it. But I was a lazy 12-year-old. I didn't want to do that, so I tried to rig away to lay down on my bed and, like, have it sit on my face. And if you do that, 
your nose will get dented because all of the weight of the Virtual Boy leans on this sharp edge that goes right into the bridge of your nose. So I actually had to like roll up a tissue, stick it in between my nose and the Virtual Boy just so that it wouldn't hurt myself while playing it, lay back down and put the stand in this awkward position so that it was holding it on my face while I was playing Mario <laughs> Land on the stupid Virtual Boy for an hour and a half. Oh, that was the best game for it, It's though. a great game, yeah. I, actually, that and Mario Clash, which I never played, but I heard is awesome. Um, those are the only two really worth trying. The other thing with it is after about, I think it was like an hour and ten minutes, you get a, a mad headache, like unbearable headache, which was just another part of the experience. So I, I really do hope you guys figure out a way to capture it because more people uh, deserve to know about Virtual Boy. Man. Did you say an hour and ten minutes? Yeah, about an hour and ten minutes, you get really sick. Oh, mine happened in about an hour and nine minutes faster than that. <laughs> <laughs> it was not good. <laughs> I never had the pleasure of owning a Virtual Boy. I sort of dodged that one. I don't know. I just got the feeling that it might not be everything it was cracked up to be. I'll bring it to E3 <laughs> next year, Eddie. You can give, give it a shot. Yes. <laughs> um, wow. <laughs> Sorry, we totally derailed this conversation. <laughs> what are we talking about again? <laughs> Virtual Boy. Yep. What was our topic? Uh, HD right. games. Okay. Right. But, you know, no, Virtual Boy is sort of relevant because... Um, it had yeah, a unique tie this in. Go for it. <laughs> it had a unique graphical presentation. And I was actually curious to know if you guys think that the prettiest HD games nowadays get undue praise for their standout visuals more so than the prettiest SD games did back when there was no HD. So is the comparison different now? Is it greater or less for the top-end graphics games? Uh, what do you think, Tyler? Uh, that's interesting because, you know, you know, back in the day when you would walk by a Walmart or a Best Buy or something like that or what, any store in the mall and you'd see someone playing a game on the TV, you'd be like, oh, wait, that's the new Mario game. And you'd stop and you'd look at it and you'd be in awe because, you know, it, just, it looked so pretty. It looked great. And now when you walk by, you know, you see, I don't know, Gears of War, like I said, or Call of Duty. And you're just like, oh, hey, it looks cool. And then you just keep on walking. It doesn't really capture your imagination and your attention like the way they did back before just because it's so everything really you know it kind of looks the same everything is so high def and it looks great but everything looks great now it's there's mm. there's less of a, a jump between you know generations now and in, in games in particular and stuff like that so i i do think that the the older sd games will get definitely get a lot more attention a lot more praise for their graphical abilities than HD games do now even the best looking ones I mean Killzone 2 had a had a lot of attention put to it but I mean got forgotten in like a month or two you know mm-hmm. no one's going to remember it next generation you know when the new system's hit and then there's a little bit better graphics no one's going to think about Killzone 2 or Call of Duty 4 or anything like that what do you think Joe? Yeah, no, I well, I think the thing with the SD games is like back then it was it wasn't as so much like you know making the game look realistic or something like that. It was like the way that the designers can kind of come up with weird tricks to make the games look amazing on these limited technology pieces. Like, I mean, the first time I saw Out of This World, it completely blew my mind because they had 3D models, they had these crazy cutscenes. Um, like all this incredible stuff that I never thought I'd see on like a Genesis or a Super Nintendo. I didn't even know what they were doing at the time. I didn't know that it was 3D. I didn't know what that was. But um, <laughs> like that game still, you know, it, it still to this day looks incredible. 
And, you know, as as you said, like there's, you know, Call of Duty 4 isn't going to really be anything to talk about in a couple of years because it just it has like this gritty, realistic style. But something like Out of This World or even something like Okami or Jet Set Radio, those kind of games that do something stylistically incredible and make themselves stand out, regardless of the fact whether or not they're SD or HD. I think those games will continue to really be the draws, the you know, the ones that really get the attention and get remembered for being like jaw dropping the first time, you know, remembering the first time you saw these games games and saying oh my god i can't believe i'm playing this on the current gen yeah that's interesting because i mean you're talking about the sd era and when you look at games on the wii which are the ones that are actually standing out they're the games like okami and mad world and Mm -hmm. no heroes to an extent because Mm -hmm. the wii is sort of still back in that bygone era i guess you could say (laughs) yeah it definitely is valid yeah i mean like one of the greatest looking games last year for me was world of goo i just i love the personality i love the color and even though it wasn't you know in 1080p hd i i loved what they did stylistically with that game i thought it was great and it was a wii game mm, that's an awesome awesome choice there so what do you think about the the whole uh prettiness factor comparatively creighton um i mean it's weird having i mean with all of us having kind of grown up with it like i remember when a link to the past was the best looking game right ever and then donkey kong country was the best looking game ever donkey absolutely kong. and then oh, I mean, oh yes <laughs> like i remember when i was like it would just go on and like all these games like every other year it was like this game is the best looking game ever and it just kept happening i don't think the current games get more credit i think they get just as much I just think we can look back and just compare them instantly. Like, look back and go, yeah, this does look so much better than Donkey Kong Country. Mm. Or this does look so much better than Halo 1. Because, yeah, it is in HD, so the resolution is a lot higher. Mm. Uh, And I think, but I think those games did get, I think they got all the credit they deserved. And yes, every now and then you'll get a game that's in SD that looks great, like, Mad World is a great example, and Okami is a great example, and World of Goo is a great example. So I don't, I feel like everything is, I think it's the same. I think they're getting the same amount of praise. So maybe it's it's less to do with the high-definition technology and more to do with the actual design work. And back then, when, as we were coming up through the different eras of video games... It was less about making everything prettier in the same realm, still in HD, because back then you were improving in terms of the polygon pushing power. We made a transition completely from 2D to 3D. So I think I kind of agree with the idea that back then it was easier to give praise to the standout games than it is now. I also think anyone who's doing something that's getting away from realism Mm -hmm. is going to have a product that looks better than someone trying to capture the real like i think the new call of duty looks great but i think that god i can't even think of anything something that doesn't have humans in it is going to look better Mm -hmm. i understand what you're saying because as you as you approach realism it's like uncanny valley the closer you get to it the easier it's going to be to notice things that are wrong with it whereas if you're creating your own imaginary universe or using a visual style that's more artistic than it is realistic you're probably going to be able to pull that off and no one's going to say oh well that's wrong because it's your creation right like i think braid looks great because he didn't try to make 
Tim look as good as he possibly could, like realistically. Right. What do you guys prefer? The realistic like settings or the the art design? You know, like a Will to Goo or a Braid? I mean, what kind of style do you guys prefer? I think for me, since I first played Jet Set Radio for the first time, like I, I instantly was drawn to that quirky, you know, type of art style, one that doesn't really stick with the norm. I mean, you can only play so many games that look like Years of War. And, you know, as, as great as those are and as much fun as those games are, I, I do kind of get attracted to the games that try and do something weird and different. You know, not to say that, like, I mean, even like Bayonetta, which really doesn't have a, an exaggerated style, but it's just like, it's very colorful, it's very flashy, there's a lot of crazy crap going on on screen at all times. And Brutal Legends, another case where it's like, it's slightly exaggerated, it's, it's you know, the characters are kind of like animation over like realism and that kind of thing. And, and they, I think they, you know, they, they create a distinct style with their games that, you know, even though they're not as out there as something like Jet Set Radio, they stand out amongst the dark sectors and you know lost planets and stuff like that which just kind of look somewhat realistic i think i kind of agree as we got to a certain point you know where you had a bunch of realistic games coming out at first i was very interested and i wanted the most realistic game and the next most realistic game and then the next one that came out that was the most realistic Mm. but at a certain point it's like well okay um, i'd rather see a variety of different looks than a perfection of the same look Right, I agree with that. I feel like uh, the PSN and Xbox Live Arcade are really, are really starting to get that. You see so many different styles of games and art designs on that. Mm. I mean, it's really kind of become just a haven of just new design techniques and even indie games. You know, I mean, sure. There's yeah, just so many different things going on there. It's just it's awesome to see it, and I wish that more retail games would take the same approach. I agree. I found myself playing a lot more XBLA games. I love Splosion Man. I couldn't get a side-scrolling puzzle game like that at retail anymore. Um, And I just have been loving a lot of these exaggerated kind of art styles. Braid is the best example of that. I know we keep talking about it. I know Eddie won't ever stop anyone from talking about it. (laughs) But it's such a good example of the great art style in in a genre you could not get in a store anymore. And I think another great case in that is uh, Team Fortress 2. I mean, that game just looks phenomenal. And it's such great animation. And and I know Valve just does great work with everything, but the characters in that, they really honed down and made them likable. They made those those shorts. I don't know if you guys have seen the shorts they've been releasing for the Team Fortress. Uh, They're absolutely brilliant. And you know, that game, even though it's, I think, about two and a half years old now, it's about almost, I think it's going to be two years old this fall, it still looks like a, a brand new, fantastic game that you could pick up and jump right into. And it, it looks comparable to anything that's out right now. Yeah, I think when you get away from the realistic style, you end up with something that has a greater ability to stand the test of time, mm-hmm. even from yeah. SD to HD. Because we were talking about how a lot of the older SD games or the Wii games like to use the special art styles to try to create their own identity to be distinct from everything else on the market because they don't have that HD to fall back on. But realistically, if you look at the games that use a different sort of art style but are still in high def, I think that those benefit even more than the realistic games do from the high definition because I think the best games that I've seen so far in HD are 
things like Braid and Geometry Wars and, mm. you know, the games that are just using all kinds of colors and sharp lines and everything like that in a unique art style. So picking up your own unique style is beneficial across HD and SD. Have any of you guys seen anything on Pixel Junk Shooter? No. I have not. I watched a video of it online and it was... I forget who was demonstrating it, but one of the playtesters, I think, was demonstrating it at a show somewhere, and it looked so cool. I just, I love the style that the Pixel Junk games have, and the one that this one's, that the shooter is going to, I forget when it's coming out, but the one that this one has, I think it's going to be, it's just going to be right up that same alley of that unique style and the unique feel and just the way it looks. I can't, I don't know how to describe it, I can't put it in words, but it was just, it looks so cool. The way you have to use like different, get the like melt um, ice to make the water flow down is like a part of an environmental puzzle. There's stuff you do with lava. It's just combining lots of different gameplay mechanics, and it does it all at the same time with just looking so. It different. sounds like you could have been describing a Zach and Wiki puzzle. I, I could have. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's true. <laughs> you gotta scare. You gotta ring the bell and scare the monkey, and the monkey knocks the lava thing over, which melts the ice, which gets you the key. It's exactly <laughs> like a, a Zach and Wiki puzzle. I'm definitely going to have to check out some of those videos now. For Zach and Wiki? <laughs> no, 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 for Pixel Junk. Because I haven't seen Pixel Junk Shooter. I mean, I'm familiar with the other Pixel Junk games. So here's a question that I had. I think we sort of answered it, but maybe not. Has gaming too soon reached a, a level of technical sophistication that sort of exceeds the extent to which the medium has been explored? artistically or do you feel like the technology and the artistic exploration of the medium are sort of walking hand in hand and playing off of one another and I'm gonna ask Joe (laughs) I think that from a realistic game standpoint uh, you know the technology and the realism go hand in hand I mean you know I expect Gears of War 3 to look even more ridiculous than the previous two did and because of the advances in technology that Epic are probably working on now for their Unreal Engine and, and stuff like that and you know I, I don't expect that kind of game to go away I expect whenever we do get a next gen of consoles which who knows when that's going to be at this point but you know I expect them to be pushing the realism over anything else in those consoles you know, unless there's some kind of big shift, which I'm not sure if they will be because of all the things that have been happening lately. lately. But uh, but the thing is, like, you know, the, the way it's always been with, you know, artistic games, games like, you know, Jet Set Radio that do, like, weird art styles is that they don't really require that much technical proficiency to get them running. It's more just like a, a brilliant idea in someone's head and the vision to actually get this put into a game the way it is. I mean, you know, you, you can get a great-looking cel-shaded game like Mad World, on the Wii with very little technology powering it, you know, and that game looks, I mean, if that game was in HD, it would look as good on the Wii as it does on, as it would on 360 or PS3. And, um, I think that's the thing, like, you know, as long as there are designers out there, um, who are trying to push artistic, uh, value in their, in their games and push a brilliant looking unique art style in their games, like Professor Layton, which I mean, that thing is on the DS, but it looks absolutely fantastic. And if they made a HD Professor Layton game, I don't think I'd leave my house for a month because I would not be able to move off my couch. But, um, <laughs> think of the puzzle possibilities with the Wii remote. I, I can't even, I, I don't even want to think about it. Let's put it that way. It, and, oh, downloadable puzzles. Wow. That would, okay. You know what? 
Yeah, it's on right now. <laughs> it's, no, it, it would completely sidetrack us again. It would be Virtual Boy Conversation 2. Um, <laughs> but I think that, you know, as long as there are designers out there that are trying to, like, push some wacky stuff, and as long as there are Japanese people out there making games like, you know, Katamari Damacy, which just, <laughs> I mean, as, as much as I hate to say it, I'm actually really looking forward to the new one, even though it's the same game I've been playing for half a decade now because it's more wacky craziness and stupid hyper-animated uh, art style that I love so much. And as long as uh, you know, that kind of thing is out there, the technology really doesn't need to advance much farther than it is right now. All right. I agree with Joe. I <laughs> <laughs> knew someone was going to say that. Ah. I like to see a game that runs standard, like in 60 frames per second. You know? That would be, like in multiplayer, that would be, be perfect. Like Call of Duty. I think Call of Duty runs 60 frames. Yeah. I could be wrong. I mean... But Call Every of Duty could... 4 didn't run, wasn't true HD. Right. You remember that debacle? It was, yes. it was the way they could get it to run 60 was by not uh-huh. putting it in, in actual HD. Halo 3 is the same way. Right. But if you, uh, if you turn the, I forget what it's called, but in Bioshock, you can flip that thing in the options menu to make that run at, at 60 frames per second, and it, it's like butter. It's fantastic looking. And that's the way I played through the game anyway. That was such a good game. Oh, right. <laughs> What, what I think is really interesting, if we're talking about technology and, and that kind of stuff, is how much longer this generation is going to go on before we get new hardware. Mm-hmm. I think everyone laughed at Sony when they f- said that the PS3 is going to have a 10-year lifespan. And they were like, oh, well, you mean like the PS2, where there's going to be like three or four years of overlap. Right. And that's what happened with the PS1 kind of also. But I think they were being serious, because we look at this right now as... We're at the point where if you bought an Xbox at launch, an original Xbox at launch, you had five, four years before the 360 came out. It was mm. 01 to 05, I think. Yes. Yep. So the 360's been out for almost five years now, and I'm not ready to buy another Xbox yet. I'm right. not ready to get another PlayStation or another Wii. Like, I feel like there's still so much more great gaming like i was ready to get a new xbox halfway through the life of the xbox i was like i'm done with this let's move on Uh, i know that i know that there are better things to come but i feel like for the first time i don't know when the next game console is going to come out i don't know if it's going to be in two years or five years Mm. and i think it's because the technology is so far advanced i think you have new engines like new id tech 5 i was just reading about id's new engine for rage and they're like we can they're talking about how much they can exploit the current technology and make everything look so much better than it is now we don't need more hardware Mm. and i think to tie this back into our topic having the hdtv with such a higher resolution attached to your xbox or your playstation allows you to see all of the things that they still can do right there's a lot of room for them to explore visually Right. It's really like we're just at the tip of the iceberg for this generation, even Mm. though we've come quite a ways. Well, we've come quite a ways, but at the same time, we've we've got to the point where we're at now very fast. And it worries me because the next generation of consoles, I don't want them to introduce a lot of really high-tech hardware, something that's going to make my HDTV obsolete almost. Because... It's already bad enough that we've had to buy new consoles and, you know, new TVs to get everything out of them, you know. And there's just been a lot of talk about 
3D gaming. I don't know if you guys know anything about that, mm. but yeah, Avatar. It, it scares me. I don't want 3D gaming. I don't want to buy a 3D TV. I want to wear stupid glasses or whatever. Like I just don't want it. There's so much. I feel like, you know, what Creighton said. I feel like there's so much more that they could do now that they're at the tip of the iceberg and what it was doing. I mean, can't we just stay here a little bit longer? <laughs> That's sort of what I was getting at, the technical expansion of our visual displays may force developers to focus solely on that aspect of games. And I mean, we're, we're not seeing that exclusively, but to an extent we do see people really focusing on how their games look and sound more so than what their games say or convey to the gamer. And I feel like if we want the industry to expand, it has to expand in ways other than just visually and orally. You know, it's it's got to expand uh, meaningfully as well. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, Eddie. Like, you know, uh, developers should kind of stop focusing on like the visual quality and stuff like that and try to actually make a you know a point with their games and put a message out there so expand the uh the horizons of what a game can actually be and i agree absolutely but i think one of those games has to be successful before you know we'll see major companies actually trying to do that on a regular basis but you know what jonathan blow is making another game right now right and for all we know it could be it this has turned into the never-ending joke <laughs> <laughs> Every time I'm on your show, I'm going to mention Braid just out of nowhere, just for you guys. <laughs> if you could work it into every sentence, I'll be happy. I don't think. <laughs> actually, we were just having a, uh, well, maybe not we, but Joe and Sinan and another one of the writers at GamerNode, uh, Brittany Vincent, had a little conversation on Twitter just prior to this show talking about. Joe coming on and saying bad things about Braid, and they were just trying to get me to respond. <laughs> and I refused. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I guess we've pretty much covered everything that I, I thought that we should talk about. Is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up about uh, high-definition gaming or, or visual technology or anything like that? Um, there was one thing I wanted to bring up real quick. Yeah. Is that um I noticed that a lot of TVs, especially at Best Buy now, the standard is becoming like an LCD LCD TVs anyways. Is the the frame rate is 120 hertz, mm. which is basically twice the frame rate of a regular TV, and um, the 60 hertz TVs are getting harder and harder to find, and um, I don't know if you guys have ever played on 120 hertz TV, but it looks amazing, but at the same time there's input lag. So it's impossible to play on. Wow. And, Interesting. Well, and Samsung I'm, TVs have a game mode. I don't know if anyone else is aware of this. True. But the 120 hertz is only effective on film recorded at 24 frames a second. I think that's that was the reason that that was put in. So the 120 hertz doesn't help gaming at all. <laughs> exactly. And like... People, I think the average person is not going to know that at all. They're going to think that, mm. oh, this is going to make my games look great, and they're going to buy it, spend the extra money, and they're going to be disappointed. They're not going to understand why. I think part of what I was going to get into, the average person isn't a gamer. I know the average gamer age is just released. It was like 35 or something. It was, just came out in a study. 
but I think the game companies can get away with making their stuff look better on HD because most gamers are also kind of tech nerds. Mm. Like, I, yeah, I bought my Xbox and I bought an HD TV right along with it the, the next day because of how bad it looked, and I was, like, willing to just accept that. Yeah, and the same with, like, broadband uh, adoption and stuff. I mean, they just assume that you're going to have this, you know, crazy downloading uh, broadband connection onto your Xbox. Otherwise, you pretty much can't experience 75% of what makes the Xbox so great. And the same thing with the PS3, and the same thing with the Wii, because if you can't download virtual console games and WiiWare stuff, I mean, you're missing out on a huge part of what makes the Wii cool. So... I mean, it's just assumed now that you're going to not just buy this console, but you're also going to buy, you know, the HDTV, the broadband, the uh, all the necessary cables, wires, and adapters that you need to be comfortable in your living room when you're playing these things. So <laughs> it's not an inexpensive hobby, let's put it that way. Yeah, that's true. That sort of ties into something else I forgot to mention. We have a big focus on high-definition gaming, but there was never an explosion of everyone going out to buy surround sound or the sound in, in video games. Because oh, I forgot to mention that, too. It's really, really prevalent issue. I have had a 7.1 surround sound system for like 30 years now. But, <laughs> but that's just because wow. I... How old are you? And I'm only 25. <laughs> so, Build it so you had it in the womb. <laughs> And that's just because I, I really enjoy being placed in the center of an environment, and mm-hmm. the sound does that a lot. But my question is, is the visual quality of your game equally as effective when you don't have that as when you do? Like, does your sound have to match your video to provide a proper experience, or does your video have to match your sound? Or does it get a little weird? Because I played on a standard definition TV with my surround sound, and I always felt like if I closed my eyes, the game felt more epic than if I opened them, which is probably not the way you want to (laughs) feel. So what do you guys think about that? Well, um, I I forgot to mention that too, is right around the time I bought my HDTV, I got a... I bought a receiver and I bought some speakers and um, you know it made all the difference in the world and I might even have to argue more of a difference than just having the TV because I mean there is like a balance like the the big TV and like the big sound is just immersing you in so much realism that your head wants to explode but at the same time I just think the sound is more important honestly in all honesty because mm-hmm. you can get so many more smaller details out of the sound, and 5.1 especially. I don't know how many games support 7.1, if any, but, I mean, Bioshock, for example, when the big daddies are running at you, you can feel it, like, thundering in your chest, and, like, you can hear little triplets of water happening all around you, and, like, a crazy guy screaming off in the distance, you know, to the left and stuff like that. It's, It's definitely much more of an immersive experience than it is just having the high quality video but at the same time having that video just makes the experience all that much sweeter so it's kind of like the ultimate thing there I agree with you I always thought that the sound was more important that's why I focused on it at first or maybe it's just the sound was available earlier I don't know but really I think it affects the game 
in such a way that it makes it more of a difference simply because you have the ability to pinpoint objects or characters within the game world locationally in your real world. What do you guys think, Joe? Yeah, no, I actually, um, I don't know if you guys remember the original Model 1 Genesis, but it had a, a little a headphone jack right in the front of the console. And, like, from that moment, pretty much, is when I got, like, hooked on sound and all my Sega CD games to listen to, like, the, the awesome, you know, CD audio that they put in there. I would always jack into the, the stupid Genesis and listen to it that way. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, even in the PS1, I got my uh, surround sound and, like, I got it a year before I got the HDTV, so probably, like, the, you know, early PS2 era. And, like, I can't even, even though they weren't surround sound capable, I can't even imagine playing something like Silent Hill 2 without it because... You know, yes. certain games have, they're all, like Silent Hill, Resident Evil, they're all mood, they're all tension, they're all little bits and pieces of audio that they'll put into the game that will just creep you the F out, and it has nothing to do with the visuals, it has nothing to do with the definition of the uh, the visual quality. And, you know, without that, if you're playing, you know, Silent Hill on a, a small you know TV with tinny speakers, it's not going to do a damn thing for you, and you're not going to get into it. So, uh, like you said, Eddie, the ability to kind of close your eyes and be in that world is something that I think many gamers would associate with and uh, that a lot of us would agree with and I think that really like before you even think about getting an HGTV you should pick up some type of sound system so that you can truly enjoy these worlds that they are creating and and also along with that uh, like my friends used to complain that I used to have an advantage because I'd be able to get headshots easier my friends also used to complain that I'd be able to hear them coming with the surround sound fits (laughs) and therefore I was only winning because of that so that's another if you want to win at online games get it surround sound and HDTV. Fun fact, <laughs> Joseph D'Elia has never lost a death match in his life. <laughs> Unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> Slam Vander Huge on Xbox Live. Bring it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, I guess I'm the odd man out here, uh, as I don't ha- I'm using my internal speakers on my television Ooh. for all of my gaming okay. on both of my HDTVs. Um, wow. Have you I wasn't ever a... played uh, in a surround sound environment? No. Wow. You don't know what you're missing. Well, I mean... I guess not. I was just going to say, to be fair, a lot of new TVs kind of have this, like, virtual surround sound thing. Like, my TV in the bedroom has that. It kind of, like, attempts to bounce the sound off your walls to give you a simulated surround sound experience. And that's pretty effective, to be honest with you. But um, it... it yeah, mine has that, too. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, I think the definitely the tv my samsung which is my much nicer tv mm. stuff sounds like it's behind me when it's not right. or it just like knows left right and if it's back corner it'll do like left but more faint mm-hmm. um right and i that's super effective but i actually was talking with my roommate if i'm, I'm moving on friday into a new place and uh oh me too if i don't get a new tv which I said before, I'm addicted to buying HDTV, so I might get an ATV. If I don't get an ATV, we're going to get a surround sound. But yeah, I agree that sound is really important, and I just don't have it. It just it was something that has never purchased yet. I feel like this last bit of the conversation sort of rocked Creighton's world right there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, you get a very good effect with headphones. Right. Um, I- People who play, a lot of my friends who play competitively online, like Counter-Strike and games like that, will not play unless they're wearing headphones. And like, big, (coughs) noise-canceling... They have 5.1 surround sound headphones, right? Yeah, exactly. 
So, yeah, sound is important to a lot of different types of games. I'd say if you want to buy a good speaker setup, like, most important thing is have a good subwoofer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mine's kind of old, and it, it just blows, like, shots of air at me whenever something really crazy happens in the game. <laughs> so I get that little extra force feedback that I want on some games. Four-dimensional mm-hmm. gaming. <laughs> <laughs> Joe's ahead of the curve. You know it. <laughs> For some reason, in Turtles in Time, whenever the big bowling balls fall on the for the big uh, wrecking ball falls on the first level, it it actually jumps my subwoofer off the floor of my apartment. So, if you really want to experience true surround sound, get Turtles in Time on Super Nintendo and enjoy it. Awesome. Not the remake. Not the remake. God no. <laughs> <laughs> the original, please. All right, guys. Well, I think that's about time to wrap it up. I thank you all for coming on the show. Um. We could give some plugs to all your respective uh, joints. Joe, uh, let us know. You got it, my man. Uh, Big Red Potion, which is the podcast that uh, myself and Sanan Kuba runs. Um, we basically just pick a, a, a topic that's kind of important in gaming and try to talk about it each week. And um, Sir Edward has been on the show several times, including this past week. So um, if you head over to BigRedPotion.com, you can check out the podcast, a couple of reviews we've done, some posts we put up, and uh, I think you will enjoy it. Uh, Creighton. Uh, you can find my show every other week. Right now it's every other week. We used to be every week. I think we might be going back to every week. I don't know. Anyway, you can check us out at collegehumor.com slash bleep bloop. I think collegehumor.com slash video games still works, but it might not. <laughs> Definitely collegehumor.com slash bleep bloop. New episodes go up every other Wednesday. It's a video game talk show. It's four comedians on a couch talking in <coughs> front of video games. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. Nice. We just had uh, Steven Totillo on last week, and we had uh, N Guy Kroll on a couple of times. We get some. We get some pretty good people on, along with comedians. Nice. And Tyler, our resident guest, half host, half guest. I don't know what we call you. <laughs> I don't know either. <laughs> well, I'm actually going to be disappearing for about a week or two. I'm going to be moving across the country, so I'm packing up all my games, everything that I own, and getting in the car and heading west. So I probably won't be around GamerNode very much, but I hope to be back very soon back on the podcast um i also can find me at examiner.com i'm the detroit video game lifestyle examiner i pretty much write about news at any other video game site would so you can find me there and also i just joined a blog with a couple friends from work called the time traveling video gamers we uh play really old games nothing i think the oldest we go back to any from like nes to about the dreamcast we were playing old games, reviewing them for today. All right, guys. Well, I thank you once again. Um, thank you. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. No problem. And you're welcome to come back anytime. And that has been episode seven of Gamer Nodes versus Node podcast. Catch you later. Bye. <laughs>